podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome back to the Economics Podcast. It's episode 007. Shout out James Bond. Big man in British culture. So pay homage to him with the numbers and that. Anyway, back to business. I was going to give you an excuse of why I haven't released a podcast, but I'm a very bad liar. So we're going to skip all of that. <laughs> this episode is titled... Bitch, better have my money. Shout out to Robin Rihanna Fenty for that, for the slogan. This is basically a podcast on why we the people should be asking the authorities that be, where is our peas? For those that are not too aware of slang, peas or peas is colloquialism for money. And I'm going to get into why. I think this is the biggest issue facing us who live in the UK shores today. Not Donald Trump, not Paul Pogba, the dabbing merchant, not immigration, migrants. This obviously ties in with the EU. Like This is our biggest issue because if we're keeping it true, if we're being honest with ourselves, money is at the foundation of a lot of issues and a lot of conflicts and having a bit more money tends to help situations. So let me get into it. Okay. We all know what salaries are, right? Salary is how much you earn within a period of time. Usually we talk about salary per annum, so that's per, per year, so that's per 12 months. Shout out to all those bosses who are, you know, <laughs> who are not on salaries, they're making their money, legitimately or or illegitimately big up you but the average salary for the UK currently there's a lot of figures going around but 27.6 thousand pounds per annum if I do quick maths I should be able to do this in my head but it's been a long day I'm tired I beg cheeky calculator that's 2,300 pounds after tax bear in mind that number no before tax sorry please bear in mind that number Think about that, yeah? Let me break down a quick, the top salaries to give people like an idea of the industries and how it it can differentiate. Like the top five um, industries in terms of salary, this is before tax. Number one, consultancy and strategy. So whoever's seen House of Lies, Mike Con, he's a consultant. So consultancy companies could be uh, stuff like you would have heard of Essential or... It's a big one. Why is it leaving my head? McKinsey. Then number two is accountancy. Qualified. So those boring lads, <laughs> like some of my friends, <laughs> at like the likes of KPMG, uh, PwC, or they could be working in industry, um, out in other industries. So those are their number two at 52K. Did I mention 58K for the first? Okay, 58K for consultancy, 52 for accountancy, so I forgot. Qualified, by the way, so once they finish all their examinations, ACCA, CMA, or ACA. Number three is banking. So those who will be, those big boys in Canary Wharf, shout out those traders taking pictures out there, big glass windows, that's at 51K, so slightly shorter than accountancy, but they probably, they get bonuses, so that probably takes them up in terms of take home. Number four, IT and telecoms. 48k per annum and number five financial services in general which is 46k per annum 
So quite a few of you think, right, those people are making quite a bit of money, which is true. But that's also probably driven up by those who are earning the big, big checks at the top. Um, funny enough, when I looked at the industries that have the most jobs available, education was, of course, of course number one. Number two was actually IT and telecoms. But all the other jobs were a bit further down the list. So that kind of shows you some of the issues that us, the people, face. The bigger, the bigger, um, what's it called? The bigger industries in terms of pay have less jobs. But that's probably due to the fact that they're more specialized skills. What are real? Okay, so we know what salary and wages are. I'm going to talk to you about real wages because that's what's actually important. Real wage is actually what matters because it's what you actually have. Real wages are essentially wages adjusted for inflation. So let's say your wage, let's say, okay, my name's Dysonomics, my wage is 15k a year. If inflation is 10% that year, so inflation, for those that know, is essentially um, the, the cost of living, really. So if inflation is 10% a year, that means all the prices, well, in, on average, the prices for goods and services in the UK economy has gone up 10%. Now, for example, if I wanted to buy a crate of supermarket for £6, that's, my, that's some of my usual weekly shopping, it has now gone up 60 pence. And if we like spread, like so, as I said, um, the inflation got 10%, so all the prices around us, so let's say your books, your clothes, they've all gone up 10%. The value of my of my salary has has now obviously gone down because obviously everything around me is becoming a bit more pricey. Now, now we've established what real wages are and how they're different from just wages slash salary, because real wages actually matters. Is what is real wages more of reality? Okay, cool. We've established that. Would it be mad if I told you that since two thousand eight, the financial crash? that real wages have stopped rising. In fact, they have dropped by 10% since then, on average. So, on average, our money, our salary, is actually dropping. And you're thinking, hold on. But my salary's gone up. But remember, we're talking about inflation. This is bad news. As a country, we're always told by our politicians that Oh, we're striving forward, technology this. We're feeling good about ourselves. We get new and new gadgets. Back in the days, I remember when I was going when I was going raving during my uni times, <laughs> we always relied on on a girl to grab have that camera. So she'll take the pictures and then when we get back, you're on Facebook chat, say, Oh yeah, email me that, email me that, email me that. That's how we used to, you know, have memories of our of our you know, our times out. Now Everybody's got a smartphone. Everybody's got an iPad. Some people even have like the really, really good professional cameras. That's just a show of how technology has improved over the years. And it feels like we are doing better. Well, some may feel that. But in reality, we're not. We actually aren't. Let me break it down a bit more for you. For men, the drop is actually 12% in real wages. Since 2008. For women, it drops 5% shorter, 7%. For the 18 age, 18 to 24, so those tend to be the ones with less skills and less experience because obviously you'd have been you'd have joined the work um, the workforce at best at 16, 
you haven't had the same amount of experience to all different scenarios in a workplace. You probably have less um, qualifications because you haven't had uh, time in the workforce and you probably may be less skilled because you haven't had uh, training, etc. This is quite alarming. <laughs> the drop is 16%. So a lot of people listening to this will be within that age group or have friends or family within that age group. That's a massive drop. In fact, in the OECD, okay, let me explain this. Um, in the, okay, the OECD is basically the Organization of Economic Cooperation and Development. So in all these countries, the UK has the worst real wage rate out of all of them. In fact, I remember I was reading, actually, hold on. What was I reading? I remember I was reading that by 2021, it could be even worse. Like, I think it, oh, I can't remember the drop of percentage, which is really bad of me, but the game's a game. In fact, out of 112 countries measured, I think it was the IFS who did this. Oh, I can't remember. Apologies. I'll, I'll get all the data and I'll link it to the pod. The UK is 103 out of 112 countries in real in the real wage rate growth since the crash. That is abysmal. <laughs> that is abysmal. Of course, the UK is largely driven by the financial services industry, which obviously had a lot, had a big hit in 2008. But that is abysmal. That is really, really abysmal. And those figures come from the International Labour Organization. And for like some of the people that are maybe my age or a bit younger than me, they're thinking, what's going on? Like, we were told if we go uni, we do a degree, we'll come out, we get a good job, we're queuing to live right. It's difficult. Like, more and more people are going to university now. So a lot of the jobs have more, you know, have more, what's it called, competition. And the more competition the less your salary is going to be because if you don't take that job, somebody else will. And this... Oh. In fact, I'm going to do a detailed write-up on all the analysis for those who want to read, but I'm going to keep it on theme on why we're actually, you know, getting, you know, shafted and why we need to be asking these people <laughs> the powers that be, where is our money? So I've talked about the income side of things, so how our wages are actually decreasing. I think, in fact, if you compare it to the to the growth from like nineteen eighty towards like two thousand seven, the drop is actually twenty percent. That is astronomical. Our wages are going down. Okay, now let's talk about we talk about the income side. Let's talk about um, the outgoing side, expenditure, living costs. What are those? Living costs, the cost of living is essentially the basic necessities. So that's housing, putting a roof over your head, food, getting that jollof rice in your stomach, whatever, you got, whatever you're eating, taxation, and healthcare. Thank God for NHS. Well, it's still here for now. But that's a story for another day. If, I, if you look at the cost of living... In the UK, since 2010, it is actually mind-boggling. Let me throw you some figures. The rise in food costs has gone up by 13%. Bear in mind I've told you 
that our wages have gone down by 10%. 12% if you're a man, 7% if you're a woman, 16% if you're in between 18 and 24. So just remember those figures, whichever one relates to you or your friends or family. And now, now compare them to these. A 13% rise in food. We all need to eat, need to eat every day. That is a cost that is never going away. A 28% rise in electricity. A 38% rise in gas. This is ridiculous. 11% r- rise in rent. I remember housing is often the largest cost to any household or individual. Imagine your biggest expenditure going up by 11%. Which some of you listening to this may not be at the age where you're paying rent. Some of you will. Some of you have mortgages we're going to talk about. And parents or friends and family that, you know, experience these costs. In London, the rents since 2010 have risen by 25 flipping percent. 25%. So if your rent in 2010 was a thousand pounds, your rent now is 1,250 pounds. Now think. Let's say you're getting, okay, as I said before, £2,300. And that was even before tax. So let's say after tax, that's about bag eight. So that's, oh, slang again. £1,800. £250 is a big percentage. Heck, that's like about, what, 12% or something like that, or 13%. Let me do the math before somebody comes and shades me. This is, this is rather, this is rather trash of me. But as I said, the game's a game. 250, 1,800. Yeah, 14% even. So even higher. 14% of your monthly income. <laughs> but this cost gone by. Ridiculous. 25. London is an absolute farce. In fact, I actually have a blog about this. www.dissunomics.com forward slash blog forward slash 003. To pose a question for us Londoners, whether it's time for us to move out to actually save money and actually save our lives. For those with parents or friends and family or yourself with mortgages, an 8% rise into 2010 in mortgage interest. Rail, 21%. And we, we see it all the time, TFR prices going up. I remember the good old days when a young bus rider, 40, 40p for child, 70p for adult. Now it's at like £1.50 or something. The prices of travel cards are just going up every year. For those who take the trains from outside London in, their prices have gone up every year, but the service doesn't really improve, to be honest. When, there's, when the elements are out, excessive sun, excessive rain, excessive wind, excessive snow, your service is finished, but you're still paying that premium. And fuel for the skirt, skirt for the drivers, twelve percent. So, look at all these costs that we need. You need to pay your gas and electricity because you have a house. You won't be able to run it. It's not the Stone Age. We need to pay for food because you need to eat and stay alive. You need to pay for rent or mortgages to put food over your, um, to put a shelter over your head. You need to pay for rail or um, fuel to actually be able to get about more often than not. Some people are lucky enough that they, they live in walking distance from everything or they can cycle. Shout out them. So we've seen the ridiculous rise in 
expenditure, as well as the equally ridiculous, but more inconspicuous, more—I don't mind throwing out hello more sly. Not even sly. We just—it's not really thrust in our faces, obviously, because we're riot. Fall in our incomes. So how the beep are we surviving? Remember my last podcast? For those that haven't listened, check it out on SoundCloud or iTunes. More money, more problems. Debt. Debt, 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 debt. Everybody says I say debt wrong. We don't, we don't talk about that. <laughs> debt. The UK household debt is rising. Currently, UK household debt, UK debt per UK household is currently at twelve thousand pounds. To put some context on this, the, uh, the disposable income of a UK household, so the income that you could actually use, is twenty six k. So, in essence, we are using credit to kind of bridge a gap between the rising cost of living but the falling wages. That is a recipe for disaster. Because all that's happening really is we're going to owe more, so we're going to have to pay back more, which is going to increase our cost. But then we're going to need to borrow more to survive. But for whatever reason, well, I really know the reason, everybody that knows about it, shuns it away. The educated people that know about it don't either have the, the cultural cachet, which is a, a term I like to use a lot, basically, what's the word? The relevance to the average person to actually deliver this information to them in a manner they can understand. Like, no, ain't nobody trying to hear a professor from LSE or whatnot, apart from me, because I'm a nerd. So the people you see on your TV screen, listen to your radio stations, they won't break this down for you. So people, so people may feel it, but they don't actually know. And the ramifications of this is actually in front of our eyes. Look in America, look in the UK. You had towns that have no immigrants, well, a very limited amount of immigrants, voting in favour of Brexit because they thought that it would reduce immigration. Because they have been told by the alternate right, oh, I hate using these politics words, by the right-wingers, by the Mkhitaryans and them, that the struggles that we are facing is the fault of the immigrants. So somehow, <laughs> the people coming from Poland, Romania, wherever they're coming from, this is their fault. quite ludicrous but people buy it because we've had this problem we didn't really know where it stemmed from but we could feel the pain we felt that our pockets are getting a bit tighter you feel me and Farage Boris Johnson and co used this cleverly to push their agenda where to the point where Labour strongholds in the North, etc., were voting in favour of Brexit. Even though Labour, or quite a lot of them, weren't 
in favor of Brexit. Because they realized that our voices weren't heard. We didn't know what's going on, but we could feel it. So they manipulated it. Same thing in America. Donald Trump did the same thing because Americans are going through a similar thing in terms of, oh, it's just a mess. <laughs> it's just a mess. That's one of the big ramifications for it. We need to actually wake up. We need to follow politics a bit more. And we need to hold the people responsible for the apparent well-being of our country and economy accountable. Because if an external shock, okay, an external shock is something that happened in the world that was not caused by us in our economy, change our economy for the better good, please believe, let's say it was Theresa May in charge, will be talking the hardest. You'll be talking like it was her policy that made it happen. So if they want to claim the fame for the economy when it's not their fault, they should be able to also take the blame. That's part of leadership. Live by the sword, die by the sword. We need to be accountable. If that's you demanding more news on these matters, do that. If that's you reading more, do that. If that's you going to a local council meeting more, do that. Because this is a problem. This is a big problem because this is about putting food on the table of yourself and your friends and family. This is not a joke. We are actually getting finessed. For those that know what finesse means, is a another slang term of shafted, cods, misled, etc. What can we do to survive? Well, I'm not going to suggest you for people to take the cocaine out of the foil or to resort to gambling. We just got to be a bit smarter of our money. So, like, um, there's been a massive rise in the usage of the consumers with, like, low, um, what's it called, low-price um, supermarkets like Aldi and Lidl. More and more people going to the pound shop. Even just little things like turning off your electricity when you're not using it. Let's say you have, like, all these switches on that like my sister flipping loves to do. So I used to have to, when I used to live at home, I used to turn them all off and she'll complain. Not leaving the heater on forever if you don't need to, so you can save money, a bit of money on gas. If you don't have to drive somewhere, walk. If you live and fall in terms of more long-term thinking, London is a very expensive place to live. So if you can live outside of London and commute in, you can save a lot of money. Like, um, um, this is in my blog, 003 as well, but you can live outside of London, you can be saving five, six, ten thousand pounds per year, depending on your household and how far out you move. Because yes, you'll be paying even more money on transportation, but as I said earlier, housing is the biggest cost for most of us. So if you can rapidly decrease your biggest cost, you can make you can save that more money. And that seven grand could be a difference between just getting by away for payday after week two of a month and be more comfortable or being able to take your family on holiday or take your mum or take your girlfriend or take your boyfriend or whatever on holiday, be able to save more to invest in maybe like stocks and shares or a business that you know of or in housing, which would then bring more income into you. Like, we need to sort this out. 
this was like a kind of like a quick podcast I wanted to do because it was frustrating me seeing people my age, young and above, waffle on about things that aren't as important as this, in my opinion. And I'm, I'll be very hard pressed to find somebody who can tell me this, this, this issue isn't important. This issue, this issue shouldn't be in our priorities because it affects everybody. Even the top ten percent hours wages are dropping. Let alone the rest of the ninety percent. This is not a joke. So yeah, Corbyn. What's the other? Theresa May. You stop running us our money. <laughs> you should stop using taxpayers' money to do stupid stuff like bailing out <laughs> banks that don't actually put much money into real economy, fudge things up, and don't get punished for it. Don't have to pay us back. No, don't use our money for that. Don't use our money to be making guns upon guns. We're one of the biggest. Um, supplies of arms don't be using our money to get involved in other countries um, other countries affairs unjustly at times as well that's one of my political views start using money to reinvest in our infrastructure in our educational system because it's crazy in these streets we are allowing people coming from foreign countries to use the houses in our country as bank accounts. They will slap 1.7 mil in a house in Notting Hill and nobody will be inside there because they know if they put 1.7 million into this house, it's going to gain 10% each and every year. If they put in a in a savings account, it's going to gain 3%, 5% at best. You do the math. We stop doing that. Those houses should be on the market for people that actually live here, at least rent. Like we need to start tax. We need to start taxing these people. <laughs> Honest to God. If I let me, let me even not start getting to rap. But yeah, Theresa May, Corbyn, Marconi Bank of England, all of you. You better have the money. Sports Social Podcast Network.